Hello and welcome to the EMS On Air podcast. The mission of this podcast is to get the latest COVID-19 pandemic information out to first responders as efficiently, effectively, and clearly as possible. Today is May 8, 2020. I'm Jeff Lassers, and I'll be your host. As of May 7, 2020, the stay-at-home executive orders in Michigan have been extended to May 28, 2020. Today's episode is a nice brief update for our listeners regarding what to expect over that time period and beyond. Also, we have more great content scheduled for the next week, which we'll briefly touch on today. Remember, you can always email any questions, comments, feedback, or ideas to us directly at qi at ocmca.org. And visit ocmca.org slash coronavirus for the latest information, protocols, podcast episodes, and other details. Follow us on Instagram at emsonair, and you can always find us wherever you get your podcasts. When you do, please give us a rating and a review. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Dr. McGraw. How are you today, sir? Good morning, Jeff. I'm well, thank you. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Well, as you know, we would like to get an update from you on the current status for our providers in the nation on the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, thank you, Jeff. You know, we are at a point where, at least in, in Michigan, more specifically Southeast Michigan, we are seeing not just a flattening, but actual lowering of the number of people that are testing positive and a lowering of the daily rate of death. But that's Southeast Michigan. I think what's humbling about this disease is in areas that hadn't seen as much disease load in other parts of Michigan, say outstate, Grand Rapids, Saginaw, Flint, and even in the northern part of the lower peninsula, they're not having that experience. Now, their numbers aren't like ours. They're not hundreds of day, but they are higher than they were a week ago, which is a little daunting because if we take the entire state of Michigan, we had 93 deaths yesterday. That's higher than the day before. And I guess one of the things it reminds me is even though our perspective may be local, we have to think more large scale. We have to think about our states or our country as a whole. A really good graph that I saw yesterday, actually saw it two days ago, was the United States as a nation, when you add New York with the rest of the country, our curve is flattening or even going down. But if you ignore the data from the city of New York, you take that out, our graph in the country continues to increase from left to right. It's not flattening. So that's taking all of the communities minus the city of New York, combining them, the rate of disease and the rate of deaths are going up, not down and not flat. So this is a global pandemic with very localized experiences and effects. And I think as we go throughout the rest of the spring and summer into the fall, that's the lesson to learn. Don't pay attention to the global numbers necessarily, or even so much of the national numbers as the numbers that affect you in your community. That'll tell you when your own local state or local county or even local municipality really has to start tracing and tracking and isolating people that are positive. And it'll be at different times for different places. We have to understand this is going to have local implications for what we otherwise refer to as a global pandemic. Now more than ever, I think we need to really be listening to our public health officials, especially in those communities that until recently hadn't identified many people in their community with the disease. So our local public health and county health officials are going to be increasingly important to monitor and to stay in communication with. It's weird to think of something globally being so parochial, but it is. 
They always say all politics are local. Well, in some ways, all manifestations of a pandemic indeed are local and at the granular level of individual systems of care, individual EMS provider systems, individual county health departments or regional health departments in some states. That's what we're going to have to really kind of redouble our focus on. I think it's a really good point to really consider the fact that as you watch the news or you collect your data from the CDC or any other validated news source, that you see how it's affecting your community so that you understand the associated risk. If you live in the middle of nowhere and you don't see very many people very often, your chance of, of spread is obviously going to be lower than somebody who lives in a highly populated area, as we're seeing in New York. So if you're having any doubts as to what's going on and how this may affect you, Look at your local numbers in context to the national and worldwide numbers. That's exactly right, Jeff. A good example is even when New York was at its worst, you know, go back to late March and the middle of April, we were still seeing a death rate in the United States between 1,500 and 2,000 deaths a day. That was the worst. Well, we're at 2,000 deaths a day in the United States, and it's not going down. Some estimates are by the end of this month, which is only three weeks away, we're going to be between 2,500 and 3,000 deaths a day in the United States. And again, that's not with New York returning to its surge. That's New York staying where it is. What we have to recognize is those deaths are coming from somewhere, but they're going to be in places that until very recently hadn't had a very large load of disease. And that just means that it's going to be less of a municipal problem and more of a problem in suburban and rural communities where, frankly, they don't have the capacity that big cities do. Just taking Oakland County, Michigan as an example, we have 16 facilities that can provide inpatient care for 1.2 or 1.25 million people. We have lots of ICUs, we have lots of ventilators, lots of EMS providers, and lots of emergency physicians and nurses and ICU nurses and physicians. You get to some of our rural communities in Michigan, not that far from Oakland County, and that number drops extraordinarily low. You might have one hospital in a county or one hospital for two or three counties, and they may have half a dozen total EMS agencies in that region or less. And the number of providers is precipitously lower too. Same with their intensive care units. Some of our rural impact hospitals actually have an ICU that's really just an anesthesia, post-anesthesia care unit. So it's not in the sense that we would think of a critical care unit. It might be a critical care unit. And then during the week, it's also where patients are recovering from their gallbladder surgery. We have to be cognizant that those resources are not the same and they may need our help. And it's going to be critical that when they do, communities with more resources are willing and able to help to send our resources, our talent, our physical capacity to them as well. Just like we would expect and have been able to enjoy their benefit to us when we were really up against it. We're going to have to then sort of invert things and be willing to go to them just like they were willing to come to us. So, sir, would it be safe to say this virus continues to spread? No matter what we don't know about it, we do know that it is highly transmissible. But if we take our proper precautions, we seem to limit its ability to spread. Although the national numbers are very nuanced because it is a very big country, we need to look at our local numbers, how it's affecting our community, and be ready for it to affect our neighboring communities after this wave passes us by and flattens for us. It may be spiking for our neighbors. 
So I think the goal here is don't get complacent, maintain your PPE. And that's where we're going to get into in the next episode that will be available on Monday, talking about the discussions of complacency during the flattening of the viral curve and what that means. We'll also get into what it might take to get back to that pre-COVID-19 EMS protocols and what that even is anymore. We'll also discuss the associated complications of producing vaccines, and we'll also talk about these not-so-validated testing kits. And we'll get into much more. Thank you to Dr. McGraw for your time today, and thank you to everyone out there listening to the podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at EMS on Air and subscribe or follow us on whatever podcast platform you use, and please leave a nice rating and review. Thanks again. Thanks again. Stay safe and have a great weekend.